Welcome to a wonderful day here at Central Baptist Church. It's wonderful not just because it is our First Responders Sunday. It's wonderful because it's the Lord's Day, isn't it? It's always a privilege to be in God's house on His day with His people, have a copy of His Word, but it is special to be here today with all of our first responders uh, that are with us, and we're thankful each and every one of you have taken the time to come out and be with us today. I know there's a lot more that are planning on being here throughout the day today, uh, scheduling conflicts, obviously with this being the weekend of the 11th of September, we have had some conflicts there, but uh, the good news is a lot of them are going to be here for lunch, amen? Uh, they're good Baptist folks, you can tell, because they show up for lunch, all right? They didn't show up for service, uh, but they showed up for lunch, and I can tell most of them are Baptist because nobody wanted to sit on the front row. Everybody started at the back and started moving forward, and so I know we're in good company this morning, but we're so thankful for them uh, and what they mean to us, amen? Uh, you know, oftentimes we walk in and out of these doors, and we walk in without worry or fear, and we're able to do our job here because they do their job out there. And what a blessing it is that they do that and place themselves in harm's way uh, so that we could have peace and tranquility and come to God's house and worship together. Uh, I was sitting on the couch last night uh, preparing the message for this morning, and uh, I don't know, it was probably 11 or 12 o'clock last night, and uh, they're going down Elks Lake Road where I heard the sirens blaring down Elks Lake, and I was sitting there in the comfort of my house uh, having a cup of coffee, studying the Word of God, and yet they were out there doing their job uh, and allowing us to have the opportunity to sit in comfort. So I hope that you take many opportunities beyond today uh, to thank them for the privilege it is that you're able to go about your day because they do their job and they do it so well. And uh, you see them out and about at Kentucky Fried Chicken or Krispy Kreme, somewhere like that. Uh, you ought to go up there and take care of their ticket. Amen. The least we can do is uh, keep their bellies full while they're out and about. And we're going to try to do that this afternoon. Uh, you know, years ago when I was pastoring in Louisiana, uh, I wanted to do something for our first responders. Uh, I'd love to buy all of you a new car. I really would. We don't have the budget for that here at the church, so don't get too excited. Uh, but I wish we did have the opportunity and the, the resources to be able to buy them something big and nice for all that they do. And I said, the least we could do is buy them a steak, right? And so this afternoon, we've got a nice setup out there in our gymnasium, and we've got somebody prepared to grill them a big fat steak, right? They're big ones, not those Dollar Tree steaks, okay? I know some of you, uh, I know some of you are cheap, and you go get those Dollar Tree steaks out there. Uh, no we got some good ones. We're going to have a good time of fellowship with them and uh, look forward to serving them. They serve us, and we're going to try to serve them just a little bit this afternoon. So I am thankful they're here. Uh, years ago, after uh, we uh, had a memorial for 9-11 at our church, uh, continuously watching all of the news feeds uh, and remembering that day uh, 20 years ago now that uh, all of those uh, first responders lost their lives or gave their lives for others. And I saw the outpouring of support. And I told my wife, I said, if they could only know how much they were supported, oftentimes we wait until it's too late to let them know how much we appreciate them and to show them how much we support them. And I told my wife, I says, from now on, we're always going to take an opportunity in our churches. I know they've done it long before I came here uh, to let them know how much we appreciate them. So you be sure to let them know how much you love them and appreciate them being here with us today. They took time out of their schedule to come and uh, time out of going to their church to be with us today. And you let them know how much we appreciate that. Well, I know the grill is fired up out there and we need to get back there shortly to eat. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter number 45. Genesis chapter number 45, and remain seated if you don't mind. We'll stand when uh, we get ready to read this, uh, but I need to give you a little bit of a backstory this morning as we uh, jump into this message that I think will help us uh, in light of the occasion that we are honoring here today. Uh, this morning we're going to read a little bit about the life of Joseph. 
Uh, Joseph's one of my favorite Bible characters. Uh, now, if the Hallmark Channel were to make a movie about the life of Joseph, I might would watch it. Uh, I don't know that I've ever tuned into the Hallmark Channel. I don't get much out of that. I don't know why you people like watching things that make you cry. Uh, but uh, hey, to each his own. We're an American, right? You can watch what you want. But if the Hallmark Channel were to make a movie about the life of Joseph, I think I would probably tune into it. Uh, it's almost too good to be true when you read about it. It has all the elements of a great story. Uh, you think about it this morning. We have a young man who hears from God. And he goes and he shares to his brothers how he's heard from God and what God has shown him. And obviously his brothers do what you and I would probably do. His brothers go and they get jealous. Uh, and then they do what I hope you would not do. They start plotting on how to get rid of their brother. All right, I know they can be obnoxious at times, and I know you may want to get rid of them, but I hope you've never actually thought about how you could get rid of your brother. If you have, please don't tell me or any of those law enforcement officials that are here this morning, or they may give you a ride in their nice car on your way home today. Instead of killing him, they decided they would sell him into slavery. They sold him to a caravan of Egyptians, and he would eventually serve out his uh, part of his life in servitude in uh, the captain of the Egyptian army, by the man, a man by the name of uh, in Pharaoh's guard, Potiphar's house. I almost forgot his name. I will throw that back on COVID if it's still in the statute of limitations to do that. For too terribly long, his wife would take a liking to Joseph. Now, this is his master's wife, and she thinks he's a good-looking fellow, so she starts to put the moves on him. But Joseph is an honorable man, and he runs away from her. She lies about him, and he goes to prison. In prison, he meets the butler and the baker. The candlestick maker was not there, but he met the butler and the baker there. And the butler and the baker had dreams, and Joseph interpreted those dreams for them. Not long after they would get out of prison, Joseph's left alone, and Pharaoh has a dream, and they tell them that there was a young man by the name of Joseph that helped interp interpret the dreams that he had. We're going somewhere with this, so hold on. Joseph goes on to tell Pharaoh that the dream that he's had is about a famine that's coming their way. There will be seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. After this, Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of preparing for that. And Joseph is going to start storing up all of the food that is needed for the seven years of famine that are coming their way. When the famine occurs, people begin flocking to Egypt to find food because Egypt had food. Because God had provided a young man by the name of Joseph that was there. And Joseph heeded God's command and Joseph heeded God's counsel and prepared for that famine that was coming. One of the families that came would be those very same brothers that sold him into slavery. What an awkward moment that must have been. We're about to read about that this morning. His brothers don't recognize who he is. Can you imagine how his heart began to race? After all of these years, his brothers have sold him into slavery, and now he is virtually sitting on the throne. He's the man in charge, and his brothers are coming to him and asking for food. I kind of figure his looks have changed a little bit. He's probably grown a beard. He's probably grown in stature. He looks different, and they don't recognize who he is. And now we're about to read what is happening. Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers and tells his brothers, I'm Joseph. Now, if you would, let's stand together this morning and read chapter 45, verse number 1. Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we're going to pick up in this passage, and I'm going to share a short thought with you before we dismiss today. 
The Bible says that after that he had revealed himself, who he was, notice what the Bible says, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, cause every man to go out from me, and there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brothers, brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. I bet they were. Verse 4, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now watch verse 5. It will be our text today. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Notice verse 5 again. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to come to your house. Thank you, Father, for the peace that we have in coming. Lord, a lot because of those that are here today and those that aren't here because they're out or doing their job, Lord, protecting and serving us. Lord, I thank you for them. Thank you for their service. Thank you for their sacrifice, their time away from family and friends and special occasions, Father, that we could have that peace. And Father, I pray you'd help us be a blessing to them today and encourage them. Father, I pray for our church today that we would see, Father, that we have a very similar role that we play today. Uh, Father, standing between, Lord, those who aren't just facing a physical problem but an eternal problem. Help us be those spiritual first responders today you've called us to be. I pray as Brother Nate prayed a moment ago, if there's one lost here today, doesn't know for sure that heaven's their home, help them, Lord, to come to know Christ today before it's eternally too late for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to jump right into this, if we could, for the sake of time this morning. I notice what a wonderful example Joseph is to each and every one of us, considering all that he went through. And I want you to think about it right quickly. He was plotted against. He was thrown into a hole first. They pulled him out of the hole, sold him into slavery. He was lied about, thrown into prison, forgotten about in prison. And all of these things were part of God's plan. Now, most of us, I believe this morning, if we had gone through all that Joseph went through, you know what we would have done? I think most of us, if you're anything like me, and I hope you're not, but you probably are a little bit because you're human too, or at least most of you are, most of us would have complained, wouldn't we? If we'd been plotted against and sold into slavery and lied about and thrown into prison and forgotten about, we would have complained and griped about our circumstances. But you notice verse number five, rather than complain about the crisis that he went through, we see that Joseph found his calling in it. Instead of complaining about all the bad things that came his way and griping about it, Joseph told his brothers, look, look, I'm not complaining about what I went through. I mean, I'm sure when he told his brothers to come near, they probably thought he's fixing to throw a rock at us at the very least. He's probably fixing to have us beheaded. He says, look, I'm not here to complain about what I went through. As a matter of fact, through all that I went through, all of the crises that I went through, I found God's calling upon my life. Now, isn't it a beautiful picture this morning? We find the amazing spirit of the first responder. How often do we see them? That oftentimes they find their purpose in the midst of our problems. They don't complain about the problems. Matter of fact, that is the purpose. That is what they know that they're here for. And yet here Joseph is showing us that as people of God, oftentimes we complain about our circumstances, but it's the will of God that we find our calling in the midst of our circumstances. I think you should think about this morning old Esther in the Bible. 
Esther was in a tough spot. Look, Esther was in the middle of a crisis. God's people are about to be wiped out. But God helped her to understand that it was in the midst of the crisis that she found her calling. In the midst of their crisis and our crisis, they find their calling. And here we are, listen, in 2021, living in the midst of a broken record of crisis. I think we'd all agree with that. I mean, 2020 and 2021, I think we need to swap the record somewhere along the line. I haven't enjoyed it very much. I don't like this song. It's crisis after crisis after crisis, and yet, com- and yet complaining about it's not helping, is it? As a matter of fact, I believe as God's people, we should find our calling in the midst of it. Now, folks, can I tell you this morning, a natural response to crisis is to run from it. That's what most of us do, right? When there's a crisis, we run from it. But as the will of God, listen, for his people in 2020, God would have us find our calling in the midst of a crisis. Not do what's natural and run from it, but do what they do, run to it. You think about our law enforcement that are here this morning. They don't criticize crime, they confront it. They could just sit around and say, man, I hate what's going on in our world. All these folks robbing and all these folks looting and all of these things. They don't criticize it. They confront it. Matter of fact, one of our children in our school, we've got letters for the first responders over in the gym. And our kids wrote them in school this week. And I read one of them. And I have a picture of it for you this morning. Put that up there right quick, guys. It says here, thank you for arresting people my mom yells at in the car. Thank you for arresting the people my mom yells at in the car. One of you are going to get that one today. It's over there on the table. My wife says, do you think we ought to pull that one? I says, no, somebody needs that one right there. But you know, a lot of times that's who we are. All we do is yell at it. We don't do a whole lot about it. We just yell at it, all right? Now look, you know what they do? They don't complain about it. They confront it. Now, that's what God's called us to do. We're very good at complaining. Social media has given us all the opportunity and a voice, matter of fact, probably too much voice, to complain about the problems of our world. And yet God has called us to find our calling in the midst of the crisis. And God hadn't called us to complain about it. God's called us to confront it. You think about our firemen that are here this morning. They don't hide from the flames. They head to them. Think about it. Firehouses aren't for them to hide from the fire. It's for them to leave out from the firehouse to go to the fire. Now, folks, can I tell you, a church is a lot like a firehouse. Look, this isn't a place for us to hide from the flames. This is a place for us to head out to the flames. Look, our world's on fire. I mean, will we all agree with that? Listen, it doesn't matter what your background is this morning. You don't have to be a genius. But we all understand our world's on fire this morning. And here's what I fear. I fear the church is hiding out in the church house instead of heading out from the church house to be those spiritual firemen. Folks, look, we're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. And the best that we can do is muster complaints about it. Why don't we find our calling in the midst of our crisis? Now listen to me, as in the case of Joseph, first responders are perfect examples of what we ought to be. They don't run from it, they run to it. And Joseph tells his brothers, look at verse number five, now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. You know what he said? He says, boy, it was a crisis. I went through crisis after crisis, but in the midst of that crisis, I found my calling. Now, folks, this is the message. It's very simple this morning. I believe it's time that we as the church find our calling in our crisis. These people are living, breathing examples of what we're supposed to be. 
I fear the church this morning, we've been satisfied to hide from the problems of our world instead of heading into the problems of our world. Tonight, we're going to watch a video of a new ministry our church is about to launch. There's a, there's a banner on, on the south lawn out here. It's our RU program. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ministry that we're going to have here at our church that helps folks that are overcoming addictions. Now, folks, we can complain about what people are going through, or you know what? We can go to those people and welcome those people that are going through something and help them get out of it. That's our calling, by the way. All you have to do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see that's exactly who Jesus went to. But for long, we've been hiding here in the church house, and it's time, I believe, this morning, we find our calling in our crisis. And so that's the message today. I want to show you three things in verse number five that I believe Joseph gives us a good example of who we're supposed to be. Now, look down in verse five, the second part, if you will. Joseph explains to his brothers the thing we need to understand, that what he was going through wasn't just bad luck. You know, it would have been easy for Joseph to say, I have the worst luck in the world. Have you ever known an unlucky person? I know a few. Thank God I'm not one of them. But I know a few of those people look in a rainstorm. I walk at least eight feet from them because they say lightning can jump eight feet. So if you ever see me walking at a distance from you, Brother Nate, that's exactly what that means. I'm afraid that lightning's going to come down. Why? Because you're one of those unlucky people. Brother Nate's not unlucky, all right? Uh, he just told me he's getting old when he rode the fair rides the other day over there, and I understand that as well, being 40. Listen, folks, listen to me this morning. If you know those unlucky folks and you think everything bad happens in your life, Joseph says, look, I'm not unlucky. This was all part of it. Look what he says. The Bible says, for God did send me. God did send me. Rather than criticize his circumstances, notice number one this morning, he accepted that he was God sent. He accepted that he was God sent. Now, watch, it would have been easy for Joseph to sit around and gripe and complain. All this stuff I've been going through, it's just bad luck. Joseph says, no, I realize that God sent me. Now listen, don't bite off on the pity party this morning. I'm just as good at it as you are, ask my wife. I thought maybe I would grow out of it after 40, that some magical switch would be flipped, and I would all of a sudden become just as mature as my dad. I'm still waiting for it to happen. Maybe it's 50, Brother Heath. I don't know when, but it hadn't happened on its own. And all of a sudden, I'll get mad or get my feelings hurt, and I'll want to throw a pity party because things aren't going my way. Joseph's not throwing a pity party. Joseph says, you know what? I understood by letting the Lord order my steps that the things I was going through was all part of the purpose for which he sent me. These folks don't complain about the problems. They find their purpose in the problems. Now, folks, we can sit back all morning and complain about what's going on in the world, or we could realize what Joseph realized, that God has sent us for these problems kind of excites me a little bit this morning. Almost feels like we have a reason for being here. You know you're not an accident. You study the human body, how God put us all together. There's no way on earth that we're an accident. There's, listen, it's not an accident that you're alive right now. Do you know what? Look, we're looking at all the problems and the crisis. God says, yeah, look at the crisis. Find your calling. This is why I sent you here. I'll give you a real interesting Bible study. Uh, sometime, not now, okay? Church time is not time to catch up on your Bible, reading your Bible study. All right, I see some of you sometimes, all right? Catch up at home, turn off Wheel of Fortune, and make sure you're reading your Bible, okay? All throughout Scripture, you're going to find something unique. God always had people prepared to meet the problems. 
All throughout Scripture, God had people in place that were prepared to meet the problems. Boy, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? He had people in place that he had sent. Think about it. Think about Exodus. In Exodus, God's people are being held in slavery under the cruel hand of Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, God calls Moses. God says, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Now watch this. Moses came between Pharaoh and God's people. And God worked a great work in the midst of crisis because Moses was willing to find his calling in the crisis. Moses could say, you know what? He could kill me. Hey, there's going to be trouble over there. God says, no, there is trouble over there. And that's why I'm sending you. Think about uh, Esther. God's people are about to be annihilated. I'd say that was a crisis. If you're about to be annihilated, I would say you're in a crisis, all right? Shake your head. It's all right. You can respond. I'm not going to get mad at you. God's people are about to be annihilated, and God calls Esther for such a time as that to go stand, listen, between the king and the judgment that was coming, and oh, God worked a great work. Why? Because she was willing to accept that she was God sent. Can I tell you what's wrong with our world today? The problem with our world today is God's people won't accept the fact that we're God sent. Joseph didn't go, good grief. First off, I'm the youngest of the family. I'm the runt. I get picked on and called names. You know what? I'm just going to be bitter against God. We could do that. We could get mad because we're living in 2021 where the world's been turned upside down. Or we could say, you know what? Listen, I believe God knows everything. And I believe God put me here for such a time as this. And instead of complaining about the crisis, I'm going to find my calling in the crisis. And all of a sudden, you accept the will of God for your life. Oh, you'd find, you'd find a whole lot more peace if you realize you were here on purpose as Esther for such a time as this. God's always had people in place to face the problems. But here's our question this morning. Where are they at? Okay, God, you had Moses and you had Esther and you had Nehemiah and you had Joseph. Okay, here we are in 2021, God. Where's the people? Are you ready for it? Here it comes. They're hiding in the church instead of going out from the church. This is our problems. I'm so thankful for what we have here at Central Baptist Church. Great spirit, great people, great heritage. We have all kind of great stuff. But oftentimes, what's great in here doesn't make it outside of here. All right? God didn't give us this church to be a place that we come and hide out. Listen, this is not a storm shelter where we come and hide out from the world. Listen, this is a firehouse. This is a police station where we come and we get trained and equipped to go out from it and do the job for which God sent us here. That's why we're here. We're here on purpose. Some of you didn't realize till this morning, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. It's not just flipping burgers at McDonald's. If you do that, hey, I want to be your friend. I don't have a friend at McDonald's yet. I have one at Krispy Kreme, but I'd like to have one at McDonald's. I mean, man, you can't beat those uh, McDoubles. Dollar, was $1.49? Now they're going up a little bit. When I read verse number five, I saw something interesting. It says, for God did sin. Do you know what it was almost like Joseph was saying? Joseph was saying, just as our first responders, I've been dispatched. I've been dispatched here. You know, if you hang around these guys long enough, sooner or later, you're going to hear a radio go off. Go to a police station or a fire station, you're going to hear a radio go off. And all of a sudden, that radio goes off, and I can't half understand what they're saying, but they understand what they're saying. That's all that matters. And all of a sudden, they get in their car, and they take off. The lights come on. Sirens start roaring around. What happened? They got dispatched. They got the call that there was trouble, and they're not running from, they're not saying, hey, let's get in that fire truck and get as far away from that fire as we can. No, they're going to it. 
Why? Because it's in the midst of the crisis they find their calling. My folks, listen to me. If you're saved this morning, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have an almighty dispatch calling you to the crisis that America's going in today. That'll make you feel special. Now look, he don't speak over radios. That'd be neat if he did. And if you've heard him on your radio, we need to talk, okay? But he speaks to this radio. Lost world. Get out there. You say, man, those people out there got problems. He's like, exactly. That's why you're here. He says, you're the light of the world, and we're complaining about darkness. Man, sure is dark out there. Oh, my goodness. I don't know why he hadn't zapped us off the planet. We're sitting here with this flashlight. Sure is dark out there. Yeah. Yeah, just put the two together, you know. Some folks just aren't good at math. There's darkness. We're the light. Put the two together and you'd find things that look a whole lot different. But the problem is we're going to complain about our crisis rather than find our calling in the midst of it. Now, folks, if we don't learn to respond to God, I'm talking to the church today, okay? These folks are examples of what we're supposed to be. I'm talking to the church. We're called of God. And if we don't respond to our calling, can I ask you this? How can we respond to them? You know, before they can respond to my need, they've got to respond to that radio. They've got to hear it. And man, they hear the call, and then they go respond to the need. Folks, all you need to do is turn on the news, and you'll hear the calling. Our world's suffering. Families are hurting. People are confused. People are fearful. And here we are as God's people. We have the answer. By the way, we weren't born with it. Somebody brought it to us. Thank God for the people that are willing to do that and accept the fact that we're God-sent. But so often, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we're like Gideon. God called Gideon. Gideon, I want you to go respond to this problem. What does Gideon start saying? I, oh, I can't do that. My family's poor. I'm the least of my family. And he starts telling Gideon all the reasons why he can't go and be a spiritual first responder. I can't answer the calling. I just can't do it. Why? Because he was small in stature, if you will, amongst his family. But here's what God told him. Judges chapter 6. Surely I will be with thee. Surely I will be with thee. Can I tell you something this morning? If you don't feel qualified to go out and do the will of God, you don't feel like you've got the skill set, you you've not got the talent, can I reassure you with this? It's not those that are being sent. It's the one who's doing the sending. All right? Look, I, I, I told, what was Brother Jim? I told yesterday. Every time I make the walk from there to there, and it seems like it gets longer and longer. I think y'all push the pulpit further back. That's a long walk. I love this pulpit because it feels like I got something between me and you. This is a scary place, especially when you don't smile. Smile every once in a while, all right? I know you're not getting a steak like they are, but you got a reason to smile. Why? Because you got Jesus in your heart, and if you don't have him in your heart, you can get it before you leave today. Every time I stand behind this pulpit, I feel so insufficient. I feel like Gideon. Listen, I'm poor. I'm the least. And all of a sudden, God reminds me, look, it's not the one that's doing the going. It's the one who's doing the sending. And if we'll just rely on the power of the one who's sending us, we can make a difference in this world. But our problem is we won't accept our calling. Oftentimes, we think we are not, and we're not, but God is. I read a neat story the other day. Brother Jeff was joking with me during the hurricane about eating canned foods. And we were talking about uh, the fineries in canned food, and that is spam. Everybody eaten Spam before? We're in Mississippi. Come on. I think all of us have. That canned meat, mm, 
Good stuff. Good stuff, especially fried. You know what their motto is? Don't knock it till you fried it. That's their motto. It really is. I saw it on a commercial, so I know it's true. When I read up on spam, you think, man, spam is just undesirable. I don't have no use for that. Listen, there are several uh, 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 orders of meats, okay? I want to give you the first prime order, and we're going to go downhill. You have USDA prime. You have choice. You have select. You have standard. You have commercial. You have utility. You have cutter. And the bottom ranking of meat is called canner. All right? It means it goes in a can. You just take everything left. I don't know if you know this, but spam comes in a can. And you're thinking, that's the lowliest, most worthless piece of meat, and they put it, they form it into this loaf. I mean, it's just like a loaf with jelly all around it. I don't know what the jelly is, but it's not bad either if you heat it up. And so you got this stuff there in the can, and you're thinking, that's worthless. I'm not, I'll have any use for that. But I read a really neat quote by Margaret Thatcher. She was recalling the Nazi bombing blitz of England, and she spoke of spam as this, a wartime delicacy, a wartime delicacy. You know, when you're in those trenches, man, you've been eating some beef jerky or something, maybe some moldy bread or some crackers in your pocket, an old can of spam comes out, and you're like, man, that'll do the job. It might be a lowest cut of meat, but boy, it's a delicacy in a time of need. You may not feel like nothing more than spam this morning. You're thinking, there's nothing I could do to change this world. Understand this. Look, we're in the middle of wartime. Things are tough right now. And God just needs some people to be available, be put to use. And I'll promise you, God could use you this morning far greater than you think you could use yourself if you just accept the fact that you're God sent. Do you know that's an actual word? I don't know that I realize that. The word God sent is a noun, and it means this, an unexpected thing or event that is particularly welcome and timely as if sent by God. Do you know what I think? I think if my house was burning down and those guys pulled up in their truck, I'd look at them as a godsend. Thank God somebody came to my problem. My neighbor's house burned down while we were in Montana, burned to the ground. You see those folks rolling up. Well, what a godsend. You get in a car wreck and you're trapped in your car. Here comes those first responders pulling up there. You'd look at them, oh, what a godsend. Now, that's what the lost world's looking for us to be. Their families are in trouble. Their homes are in crisis. Their young people are struggling. They're confused. They're fearful. They don't know what to do. And God just needs some people to accept the fact that they're just like Joseph. God sent us here to find our calling in the midst of this crisis. Number one, we've got to accept that he was, we are God-sent. The best example of that, and I'm going to give you the second thing, is Jesus in Galatians chapter 4. The Bible says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Do you know when I was lost in my sin, on my way to a devil's hell, that was the worst crisis I've ever been in. Because it's an eternal crisis. Eternal. The Bible says that when I was in bondage under the elements of the world, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Made of woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. I'm so thankful that Jesus answered the call and was God sent. He was God sent. I'd still be in my crisis. I'd be on my way to hell with no way to save myself. It's not of works. I can't be good enough to go to heaven. But God sent Jesus. Jesus answered the call. His father said, there's a lost world. I need you to go die for them. And he answered the call. Now, folks, there's a world that's dying. 
this morning. There's a country we're living in that's dying. And God's called us to be as Joseph. God sent to do what? Now, look at the second part of this verse, verse 5. The Bible says, for God did send me. Now, notice the next word. The Bible says before. Before. So we see what God called Joseph to do. But now we're seeing where he called him to do it. This is very, very important. Notice the Bible gives us the word before. If Joseph is going to make a difference, this is important this morning. He's going to have to lead the way. He's going before. Now this is important. Notice the second thing Joseph had to accept. He accepted that he must go before. He must go before. Now I'll give you a quick lesson in leadership. It's simple, but it's a very important lesson in leadership. If you're going to lead this morning, you've got to be out front. You've got to be out front. It's hard to lead from the back. Several years ago, I was duck hunting with a friend, and we had to get, there, get out there before daylight. We were not hunting. If we have any game wardens here today, we were not hunting before daylight, but we just got out there before daylight. I promise. I'm not in the full bit. I'm not going to lie. So we're getting out there at dark, and uh, we're riding the four-wheeler together, and we get out there, and somewhere along the line, my flashlight fell out of my pocket. And we're about to walk through the woods, wade out in waist-deep water in Monroe, Louisiana, duck hunting. And it is just, it is just, it's, it's creepy out there. I'm just being honest with you. They have wookalars there, they tell me. I'm not sure exactly what they look like, but they say they have them there. I'm wading out there. I'm, I'm getting ready to head out in that water. And he says, all right, look, you go on ahead and get in the blind, and I'll bring the rest of the stuff. I says, no, you need to go first. I wasn't scared. All right. Quit thinking I'm scared. I wasn't scared. Really, I wasn't scared. I says, you need to go first. He says, why? I said, because you had the flashlight. I lost mine. Doesn't make much sense for the guy to go first that doesn't have the light and the guy who has a light to come bring it up the rear. I says, now look, I don't mind going first, but you're going to give me the light. Now folks, look, it's the same way in the world we're living. We're living in a dark world and we want the dark world to come out of the dark world. We want to lead them to, to light, but here's the problem. The people who have the light won't lead the way. The Bible says that Joseph's going to have to go before. Is that what Matthew 5 says? Ye are the light of the world. And if we're going to lead the world out of darkness, we've got to go before them. We've got to go before them. Now, this is the problem this morning. We can't lead the world out of the problem if we're busy being part of the problem. There's our problem. Look, I'm talking to saved people this morning. I'm talking about the church folks. I'm talking about religious folks this morning. Here's our problem. We want the world to come out of darkness, but we as the light aren't willing to lead the way by how we live our lives to lead them out of the darkness. Somebody's got to be out front. Now, folks, it's not fun being out front. Why? Well, because usually you're alone. Someone told me one time, if you're getting kicked in the rear end, it probably means you're out front. Very true statement. But for too long, we've been content as the church to try to push the world out of sin, right? We're going to preach the world out of sin, and we're going to tell them, we're going to push, push. No, no, no. Boy, years ago at my first church that I pastored, uh, I thought if I got up behind the pulpit and preached with eloquence, and I preached boldly, that I could preach hard enough that people would do right. But Jim, I just thought that would happen, you know? I'm just going to say it, and they're going to believe me, right? No, because you don't believe me half the time either. I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to preach and they're going to do right from my preaching. And then all of a sudden I realize that that doesn't work that way. I read a wonderful book by Philip Keller. It's the 23rd Psalm to the Eyes of a Shepherd. 
Psalms 23, and you read verse 2, the Bible says that that shepherd, he leadeth me beside still waters. Do you know why our world is lost? Do you know why our world is lost? This is simple, simple, but true. Nobody's leading them. Nobody's leading them. You and I have been given the light. We are the light, but we're not leading them. In order for Joseph to lead his family through the famine, Joseph had to be willing to go first. This is why 1 Peter 4, the Bible says, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God amongst his people. Why do you think 2 Chronicles 7, 14 starts with, if my people? It's talking about church folks. It's talking about his people. He says, you're supposed to be the light of the world. And if you want to lead the world out of the darkness, you're going to have to go before them and show the way. Can I tell you what one of the biggest reasons is when I knock on somebody's door, invite them to church, why they don't want to go to church? It's an excuse, but it's true. They start telling me about all the hypocrites they've known in their life. Now, it stings a little bit, but you know what? I just have to swallow it because it's true. Oftentimes, it's the people of God who aren't willing to be the light and to lead the world out of darkness. But Joseph was used of God. Why? He found his calling in his crisis. How? Because he was willing to go before. Look what he did in verse 5. For God did send me before. Don't agree with everything he did, but Harry Truman said something worthwhile. In periods where there is no leadership, society stands still. Progress occurs when courageous, skillful leaders seize the opportunity to change things for the better. In periods where there's no leadership, society stands still. Do you know why our society is not going anywhere? Because there's no spiritual leadership. Somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to be, look, dad, you ought to be the leader in your home. You ought to step up and lead your home. Look, young people, you ought to be the leader in your youth group. You ought to be the leader in your classroom. You ought to be the leader amongst your brothers and sisters. Somebody's got to show the way. Now, folks, if we don't get about being what God's called us to be, we have no right to complain about the darkness we're living in. Why? Because the Bible says here that Joseph realized, I've got to go before. I've got to lead the way. I think about Jesus, and I'll give you the last thing. I was incapable of saving myself. I was incapable of paying for my sin and earning a way to heaven. Bible says that Jesus laid down his crown, left his throne, came down to this earth, and lived 33 years, a perfect, sinless life. Do you know what he was doing? He was leading the way. He was blazing a trail that I could not, I can't live perfect for a day, more or less 33 years. Probably I can't live perfectly for 33 minutes. Ask my wife. 33 years leading the way, and he led all the way to the cross of Calvary. He paid for my sin. The veil of the temple was rent. Access to the Father is now wide open, all because he was willing to lead the way. You know, oftentimes when we come to know Christ as our personal Savior, here's what the terminology we use. Somebody led me to the Lord. I fear the church is praying that the lost world is randomly going to find Jesus. He's not. They're not. Matter of fact, there's so many powers of darkness pointing them away from Jesus. Look, grace is real, but I'll bet somebody led you to Christ. Somebody led you. I bet somebody led, listen, if your spouse is say, somebody led them. Now, why don't we go do what God's called us to be? Go do what we're sent here to do and lead. So number two, What did Joseph do? He accepted that he must go before him finally. 
The Bible says, for God did send me before you. No, here's the crux of all of it. To preserve life. This is the reason behind all of it. This is what it was at stake by Joseph doing the will of God. God sent him to preserve life. Now, here's what's amazing. God says, Joseph, I see your family, and I see the famine. Now, go get between them. Is that what Joseph did? Joseph, there's a famine coming. Now, he didn't know this at first, but he knew. He says, Joseph, there's a famine, and there's your family. Go get between them. Do you know what that's called? It's called grace. It's called grace. When something stands between you and what is coming your way. So here's the third thing we've got to do. Notice he accepted that he must become grace. Joseph had to become grace. Grace is one of my favorite topics to preach about because I need a lot of it. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of it. Ezra chapter 9. The Bible describes grace in one of my favorite ways. The Bible says that God gave us a space of grace. I love the fact that God uses grace as a space. Do you know what Joseph was? He was a space of grace. The famine is coming. His family is in line with it. And Joseph gets between them and provides a space of grace. Is that not what first responders do? Trouble comes our way, problems coming our way, and they go insert themselves in between us and the trouble that's coming our way. That's a space of grace. Now understand this, if we're going to follow in the footsteps of them and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be willing to become grace for those who need it. Or else here's what we can do. We can sit around and we can say, you know what? They've got it coming. They know better. You know better, you should be out there drinking and driving anyway. You got what comes to you. No. Can I tell you, thank God we don't get what's coming to us. I was a lost sinner deserving of hell, and yet Jesus, watch this, he looked at Jeremiah Andrews. He says, there he is, he's helpless, and there's hell, he's going to die, he's going to go to hell. And Jesus came, stretched out on a cross, and created a space of grace by which I can go to heaven. Now God says, I want you to do the same thing. God says there's people out there, they're lost, Hattiesburg's lost, there's people on their way to hell. I want you to go and become grace for them. Go get between them. By the way, if you appreciate being saved this morning, you ought to go do the same thing for somebody else. Go try to stand between them. But I'll tell you, I heard a preacher say this this morning. I was listening to some preaching on my my, uh, AirPods. He says, ministry is messy. Ministry is messy. So what do you mean by that? Well, oftentimes the people who need grace don't look much like it. But that's why we're here. That's why God has sent us to go before them, to become grace for them. Moses, Nehemiah, Esther, we could go on and on this morning, but we're not. Here we are as the church this morning. I'll give you this, and we're going to close. Here we are as the church. Thank God for this place, the opportunity we have to gather together. Thank God for the great singing. Boy, you guys were singing this morning. Boy, it sounded so good. But so much of what God's called us to do is outside of these walls. It's got to get out. It's got to get out. We've got to realize that the crisis we're living in is not something to complain about. It's something we're called to. Joseph says, God sent me here for this. Could we just accept the fact this morning that God sent us? We're not here by mistake. We're here for a purpose. And that purpose is to go before. We've got to lead the world out of this. We're not going to drive them out. 
Look, you can get on Facebook and rant and rave all you want about how bad things are. You're never going to push the world out of darkness. You've got to lead them out of darkness by just letting your light shine a little bit. Folks, listen to me this morning. They're lost and looking, and we're sad and complacent. We've got to accept the fact that God's called us to go before, but most importantly, we've got to accept the fact that we've got to become grace. Now, what's coming? Well, we as the church know that the end is going to draw near. Hebrews 10, the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much as we see the day approaching. Train's coming down the track. It's picking up speed. We're almost to the end of this thing, and we know, hey, we're all so excited, man. God's going to come take us out of here. I'm excited about it. Wait a minute. Some people aren't going to make it. Could we calm down the pep rally just a little bit about leaving here and try to get a few more people on the train? We know death is coming. We know the end is coming. We know hell is coming. And all of a sudden, here's folks. Listen, if somebody doesn't get and stand between them as the first responders do, they're going to suffer a fate just like we would have suffered had not somebody done the same for us. Why don't we accept the fact this morning God's called us to be grace, to go stand between somebody and trouble that's coming their way. And it's not just trouble in this life, it's eternal trouble. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved. Look, if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You've never, listen, you've never called upon the name of Jesus to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sin. Watch this. There's a space of grace for you. That same space of grace that I squeezed into and come to know Christ is there for you. But after a while, that window's going to close. The trump of God's going to sound. He's taking us out of here. And that opportunity's over. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in just a few moments, some of, our, some of our pastors will be down front. They love to take the Word of God and help you know for sure. They love to extend that same grace to you. But if you're saved here today, can I encourage you something? Can we quit complaining about our crisis and try to find our call in it? They go to trouble. They don't run from it. They go to it. God says, I want you to be just like those folks. I want you to go out in this world. I want you to go before the world and be grace. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.